Gospel. This morning from Mark chapter 9, we begin reading in verse 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and he would, when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Last week, our appointed Scripture lesson was Jesus telling the disciples for the first time about what we call His passion, or this idea that He must suffer, that He's going to be turned over to other authorities, and He's going to be killed. And in three days, He's going to rise again. And Mark tells us they did not understand And then here we have it again today in the next chapter, chapter 9. This is the second time that Jesus is trying to explain to His disciples the path upon which He is going to walk and the one in which they're invited to follow. Mark tells us that purposely Jesus has removed Himself from the crowds and has only His closest disciples with Him. Probably the twelve that we know about, the men, but probably also others, including women. And if you've read through the Gospels, you know the women play a larger and larger role as we get closer to the end of the story and play a pivotal role in announcing the news of the resurrection. But I get ahead of myself. We're still talking about suffering and the path of discipleship and what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. And Mark writes it like this. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands. And they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Mark makes it clear the disciples do not get it. They cannot yet comprehend what Jesus is saying and what God is doing through Jesus for the world. They simply have yet to grasp it. 
Reminds me of that old story, kind of a joke about Jesus after the resurrection going to heaven and the angel Gabriel meeting him there and saying to him, Oh, Master, you have suffered so horribly, but how wonderful everyone on earth now knows how much God loves them and what you've sacrificed to reveal that. And Jesus says, well, not exactly. He says, what? You didn't tell everyone? He said, no, not everyone. And he said, well, who knows? Well, I kind of left it in the hands of Peter, James, and John. And Gabriel says, is there a plan B? (laughs) There is no plan B. It was given to the disciples the deepest thoughts, the deepest insights and wisdom Jesus had. He shared with these twelve and the others that traveled with Him. He is entrusting the greatest message of all time to these that Mark tells us did not understand and were afraid to ask. They miss the message. They don't understand the core of the teaching. But not only have they missed this message, but in the meantime, they're arguing about which of them is going to be greatest in the kingdom as if somehow Jesus is going to be a political king ruling over their territory. But maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Do you ever observe behavior of humanity? It's kind of in our nature, it looks like. I mean, we can... Think about government officials, people we elect to office. We call them public servants. They're supposed to serve us, right? But how much time, despite party affiliation, do they spend arguing with one another about who's the greatest or who's got the best idea? Spending more time fighting with each other than talking to us. Those in the public that they're supposed to serve for the common good. It seems to be a part of human nature that some of us really want to be the greatest and want others to notice who we are. But it's not just in politics or elected officials. We see it in our sports culture as well. I like to watch sports. Spent most of every Saturday this time of year watching college football. I enjoy it, but you know, we spend a lot of time talking about who's the best and ranking the best performance and the best coach and the best team. And of course, most of us who follow sports are hoping that our team at the end is on the top, that we are the greatest. And I want my alma mater to be that team. But we must be careful. We have to realize that there's something more important than just the statistics or one player getting a trophy at the end of the season. The more redemptive features of sports and competition are other lessons that are taught. The lessons of teamwork, the camaraderie of what it means to be part of a group working together. 
The idea that we're going to encounter problems and obstacles in our lives and there's a way we can face them and overcome them when we work together. The more significant experience is learning to give your best and even be willing to sacrifice for a greater goal or a greater good. If we can remember that, then we're closer to the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. It's true in sports. It's true in politics. I think it's true in life. This is how Jesus says it in verse 35. I put it in your outline. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Who wants to sign up to be the greatest? Jesus makes it pretty plain, doesn't He? That if you want to be first, if you want to excel, if you want to lead, if you want to go to the top, the place to look is at the end of the line. The place to look is how can I serve other people? How can I raise others up? How can I lift up somebody else? That is the way Jesus says you can be the greatest. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote and preached many great sermons. And a few of them are often quoted. But there's one that I think is one of his best called the drum major instinct, if you want to look it up. He preached it at his home church. People don't quote it very often. But it speaks to the very lesson that Jesus is teaching today in this lesson from Mark. I want to read you just a few sentences of what he said the morning he preached about this. He says, Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, Dr. King said, was by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. And someone in the audience yelled, everybody! Because everybody can serve. And someone else yelled, amen! And he went on to say, you don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. And the crowd said, Amen. Then he said, You only need a heart full of grace. A soul generated by love. And you can be that servant. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You. You can be that servant. And just to drive the point home, 
Jesus goes on. Mark records this in verse 36. After he realizes what the disciples have been arguing about, Mark says this. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then in 36 and 37, he gives this illustration. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Do you hear the great inclusiveness of the gospel in this teaching of Jesus? He's saying whoever, anybody, everybody who wants to be great, who wants to serve, all you have to do is welcome a child. How interesting. Welcome a child. Welcome someone that is not powerful, is not influential, cannot pay you back. Welcome a child out of the generosity of your heart. Welcome someone who is small and weak and needs some love. That's the gospel message. Be generous of spirit. Be generous of heart. Welcome a child. Just as everybody can serve, everybody can welcome a child. Everybody can welcome one into the family of faith, into the family of God. Can you be kind to a child? Are you ready? Jesus says that's the illustration. And yet he says something very startling that I don't want us to miss. In that very last verse, he says, if you can do that, if you will do that, if you'll welcome a child, then you welcome me. But not only welcome me, you welcome God, the one who sent me. Oh my gosh. Jesus points out a quick route to intimacy with God Welcome a child. Can it really be that easy? Can it really be that simple? Do you hear the great inclusiveness of the gospel? It is to welcome a child. Welcome one who needs a welcome. Someone who's weak and vulnerable, who needs some love. Welcome that one. It will put you in touch with God, Jesus says. But if you don't like the word inclusive, I know some people concerned about that word. Try this one. Democratic. Do you see how very democratic Jesus is here? And I don't mean the political party. I mean the root word. That word comes from the Greeks. Demos kratikos. Demos means people, kratikos means belonging to or rule by. So if you look up a definition for democratic, it says belonging to the people or treating all people of all classes equally or something like that. 
And that's what Jesus says today. Whoever, whoever, anybody, everybody, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Whoever, whoever welcomes one such child welcomes me and not just me, but welcomes God. How very democratic that all of us can do it. Anybody can do it. Whoever wants to do it is included in this gospel message from Jesus. Welcome a child. Do you know what the people who were here when this building was open did on one of their very first worship services? The sanctuary was not yet ready to enter. So when they first marched down to this building, they worshiped in the basement we call it the community hall the room right below here one of the first things they did was baptize babies they welcomed children into the family of christ they knew it was an important part of their life together they built the third and fourth floor that's right behind us here as a part of their new building one of the things they said is we need room for the children they welcomed children into the life of this congregation. I think about our children's choirs being here this morning and singing for us and think about how they meet every week to rehearse these songs of faith. And I think, aren't we just welcoming them into the lap of Christ? What a wonderful thing. Or I think of the third graders who were lined up here just a couple of weeks ago ready to get their Bibles, their very own Bibles with their name imprinted on it because we believe it's important for the children to be welcomed and to have their own Bibles so that they can get to know God better and better as they become readers on their own. I think we're welcoming them into the family of Christ, into the arms of God. But not only that, I think of our mosaic show. It'll be next month. It's our middle school students. They put on a variety show for us where they express the talents God has given them. And when we show up, you know what we're doing? We're welcoming them into the family of Christ through a very special expression of the fine arts. But we are saying you are included here who doesn't need to hear that when you're in middle school? We remember. It's important to hear someone say, you're welcome just the way you are. We love you. We're glad you're here. We do that here. You can be a part of that. Or I think of our mid-high and our senior high students who are going to go together in the middle of October over fall break to Camp Egan to have a few days of fun and fellowship and worship and prayer and learning. We help support that. We make that happen as a congregation. We're welcoming them into the family of Christ. Or even our Brush Arbor Bash, which we're going to have the last Sunday of next month. It'll be the next time we invite you to come to a congregational unity service. After the service, we're going to have activities for all ages. But a lot of those will be geared toward children over in the park. Because we want them to know it's fun to be a part of the family of Christ. 
It's a joy to be together, people of all ages. We're welcoming them. Just as Jesus taught we should do. Let us be that church that serves all and welcomes all. Because Jesus tells us that's the way. That's the way to intimacy with God. That's the way to live out your Christian discipleship. If you want to be a great disciple, welcome a child. But then he says it's not only a great way to welcome them and to love another, but it's a great way to experience the blessing of welcoming God into your heart and into your life. Thank you, Jesus.